Today, we delve into the impact of the current coronavirus pandemic on the Navajo Reservation. We take a look at the past to see that the current disparities and inequalities that this demographic faces is hardly a new occurrence in American history. I'm Ellie Wells, and this is Morning Edition. It has been said that crises such as the one we are currently facing reveal the greatest cracks in our society. One look at the disparate impact of COVID-19 on various communities makes this devastatingly clear, not only that the cracks exist, but just how deeply they run. It has been well documented that the impact of COVID-19 has been particularly devastating for lower income communities and communities of color. However, one such community that is often overlooked is the Native American population. Reservations, specifically the Navajo Reservation, which we'll be discussing today, and which covers parts of Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah, are so expansive and yet so extremely rural that how crises impact this part of the population is often not given the recognition and reporting that they warrant and deserve. Before we delve into the specifics of the COVID-19 crisis and how it is impacting the Navajo, it is important to understand first the centuries of abuse, inequality, discrimination, and continued sense of disregard by the U.S. federal government and by the American public that has left the Navajo Nation especially vulnerable to the ravages of our current public health crisis. The interaction between the U.S. federal government and Navajo Nation is not one of pride. In 1848, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo ended the U.S.-Mexican War, and though the threat of Mexican settlers on what is now U.S. territory subsided, the Navajo people faced a new threat, that of the Western American settler invading Native American lands on the promise of so-called manifest destiny. By 1851, Fort Defiance was established right in the middle of Navajo land. Unsurprisingly, conflicts between the Navajo and U.S. settlers erupted over the next three years, culminating in what infamously became known as the Long Walk, when the United States Army marched 10,000 Navajo east to Fort Sumner, where they were forcibly resettled into squalid conditions. Many suffered deaths from starvation and diseases. When it became clear that the Navajo would not assimilate as the federal government intended, the Navajo Nation Treaty of 1868 was drawn up. It allowed the Navajo to return to their land in exchange for compulsory education of their children and the construction of railroads through their territory, among other more minor agreements. This history of forced migration and attempted assimilation is a so-called breeding ground for the current inequalities we see come to the spotlight with coronavirus. It now appears that active oppression that the Navajo faced 100 years ago has been replaced with something even more harmful. Institutional racism combined with a lack of recognition and regard from the government and the American people. The Navajo community has been especially ravaged by coronavirus, in part because of the pre-existing conditions on reservations, both in the medical sense of the word and the social implications. Let's begin by examining some of the pre-existing medical health conditions and their causes. According to the Indian Health Service, or IHS, American Indians and Alaska Natives have a life expectancy of 5.5 years fewer than all other races in the United States. A third of the Navajo population suffers from diabetes, heart conditions, and lung disease. American Indians are 600 times more likely to die from tuberculosis and over 200 times more likely to die from diabetes than any other group. This is especially exacerbated by the fact that more than a quarter of those under 65 lack health insurance. 
Additionally, a condition termed Navajo neuropathy, after its most affected demographic, is a broad term to label the numerous health problems the Navajo have suffered as a result of uranium contamination. Between 1944 and 1989, mining companies blasted 30 million tons of uranium out of Navajo land. Once enough uranium had been stockpiled for the Cold War, mining companies left over 500 uranium mines abandoned. Cancer, liver disease, and kidney disease have all been linked to exorbitant levels of uranium contamination in the Navajo water supply. A study published in the journal Environmental Science and Technology in 2015 found that a water well sampled on Navajo land had uranium levels five times higher than safe water standards allow. The uranium contamination is a big deal. Between 1970s and the 1990s, cancer rates doubled in Navajo Nation. Because of this contamination, Navajo neuropathy has had devastating impacts on the community. NPR's Laurel Morales talked with Helen Nez, a woman who has lived on the reservation her whole life. Helen Nez had 10 children. Seven of them have died. Many people died, and some have liver disease, kidney disease, and some suffer from cancer as a result. It is worrisome and troublesome, and you hope that something will be done. Navajo neuropathy and its reason for existence is tragic in its own right. Even more worrisome is that these conditions lead to greater pre-existing conditions that make coronavirus all the more lethal for this community. According to the most recent CDC report, the overall mortality rate for the Navajo is 1.8 times higher than it is for whites, not even yet broken down into the age-specific categories for which that disparity increases. According to the report, for those 20 to 29 years old, 30 to 39 years old, and 40 to 49 years old, mortality rates tied to COVID-19 among American Indian and Native Alaskan populations were 10.5, 11.6, and 8.2 times those of whites, respectively. But the explicit pre-existing medical conditions is only one side of the story. The report also specifies the long-standing social inequalities, social pre-existing conditions, if you will, that exacerbate the current crisis. This includes inequalities in infrastructure, public funding, access to health care, extreme poverty, higher rates of alcoholism, and education, just to name a few. Let's take a look at how some of these institutional inequalities might make coronavirus worse for the Navajo Nation. The Navajo Nation is roughly the size of the state of West Virginia. However, the entire territory has only 13 grocery stores. This means that all neighbors have to drive hours just to access food. Neighbors will often carpool on these treks to save money on gasoline. This does not allow for social distancing. Furthermore, extreme poverty born out of decades, if not centuries, of discrimination is another substantial problem in its own right, made even more apparent by COVID-19. The unemployment rate on reservations is approximately 40%, not yet adjusted for this most recent economic downturn of 2020. The same percentage of families live below the poverty level, earning less than $12,760 a year. Already, this means disproportionate health care and the inability to afford fresher and healthier food. Higher levels of poverty also lead to greater multi-generational housing, which aids the spread of coronavirus, especially to the community's most vulnerable members, the elderly, by ensuring that they live in the same households as other age groups. 
Additionally, a third of households on Navajo Nation have no access to running water or electricity. This makes it difficult to wash hands and help prevent the spread of infection. Like grocery stores, hospitals are few and far between. The reservation's dozen medical facilities hold only about 200 hospital beds, or a third of the national rate. The institutional racism and historic discrimination has bred a host of pre-existing medical conditions on the individual level and social inequalities on the community level. Jonathan Nez, president of Navajo Nation, explains that many of these inequalities can be traced back to broken promises by the federal government. We are United States citizens, but we're not treated like that. You can hear the frustration, the tone of my voice. We once again have been forgotten by our own government. This is especially true in the consideration of funding. According to the National Public Radio, funding promised to the Navajo and other tribes has not yet been delivered, and now the tribe is suing for what it calls their fair share of federal COVID relief money. Laura Hammett, Director of Infectious Disease Prevention at the Johns Hopkins Center for American Indian Health, which partners with the Indian Health Services, explains. Native American communities are often invisible in terms of their health inequities. When you look at IHS per capita spending, it is much lower than we see for veterans' medical spending or Medicare spending. IHS is chronically underfunded. According to NPR, the federal government spends about $3,000 per person on health care in Indian country. In contrast, the government spends closer to $9,000 on veteran health care and $12,000 on Medicare per person. The disregard for the American Indian population by the government is nothing new. Nor are diseases on the reservation. The 1918, or Spanish flu, hit Navajo Nation similarly hard. The specific details concerning the flu are scarce, however, because the Navajo tradition discourages speaking of those who died. However, we can link two commonalities between the two pandemics. In addition to all the aforementioned conditions that make the Navajo particularly vulnerable to COVID-19, there's also a cultural reason for a spike in cases in both 1918 and today. Chief Medical Officer of IHS Navajo Area, Loretta Christensen, explains. The majority of this wave right now has been due to gatherings. The Navajo people are very social, very family-oriented, and what happened was a lot of gatherings for family celebrations that had been put off for so long during this pandemic, they felt safe to go and meet with their families. However, that resulted in numerous clusters at the same time. It just became overwhelming. The numbers just kept getting higher and higher. The second commonality is that, like today, there was not an appropriate level of concern given to the reservation in the wake of this crisis. It is abundantly clear by the fact that 0.5% of the U.S. population died in the Spanish flu. In contrast, there was a total mortality rate of 24% of those on the Navajo Nation, as reported by the Navajo Times. We don't really need to look all the way back to 1918 to see this disparity. Even the swine flu of 2009 had a mortality rate four times higher for the Navajo than any other racial group in the United States, according to the CDC. And again, we still witness this disparity, even in 2021, with a mortality rate almost twice as high for American Indians in the coronavirus pandemic. To 
Today, we have taken a look at public health on the Navajo Reservation. We have briefly looked at the original relationship between the Navajo and the federal government. It is important not to forget that the government took Native American land. They quote-unquote returned it in the form of extremely isolated and exceedingly rural territory, separate from the rest of the American public. It is a move that left these communities isolated from the rest of the country, a nation within a nation. Having their land is necessary, and it's not inherently a bad thing. It rather can be a good thing. But that spoils when the government and the public come to see the Navajo as a community separate and different from Americans, to otherize them in a way that still carries the whispers of neocolonialism. As President Jonathan Nez stated of his people, we are Americans, but we are not treated as such. The original shameful interactions laid the groundwork for what has become decades of discrimination and disregard. Fast forward a hundred years from the deaths at Fort Sumner, and uranium mines begin to leak their poison into the water wells on which the Navajo depend. Even decades after those mines were openly abandoned, the Navajo are still dying and suffering the consequences of the outstanding levels of uranium contamination. From the Spanish flu to the swine flu, and now the coronavirus, and every single year in between, there's an outrageous pattern of deeply embedded institutional racism and heinous disregard for the native people of this land. The pandemics and flus and public health crises are only part of the story. The extreme poverty, lack of health care, absence of adequate sanitation, education, hospitals, grocery stores, and continued betrayals in government funding. The mortality rate from COVID-19 is merely a symptom of these much greater problems. History has shown us time and again that these problems will not resolve between now and the next inevitable crisis. Rather, it is time to end the pattern, end the discrimination, put a stop to institutional racism, and pay attention. Give reservations and Native Americans the recognition and respect they deserve. And while this problem is substantial and its effects are very real, I would like to end by not forgetting the first-line workers, the activists, and of course the Navajo themselves, who dedicate themselves to fighting this inequality, this discrimination, and making themselves heard as they so de deserve to be. I'm Ellie Wells. This is NPR. Thank you for listening.